Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bears, people in the community that are doing great things for their communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of Canada, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Kathleen Ash Milby. Kathleen Nash Milby is a curator of Native American art at the Portland Art Museum. She has organized numerous exhibitions of Native American art, including Dakota Modern, The Art of Oscar Howe. She was previously an associate curator at the National Museum of the American Indian, a curator and co-director of the American Indian Community House Gallery in New York City. Publication includes essays in Art in America, Art Journal, and Joseph Yukon, What I Saw, from 2021. A member of the Navajo Nation, she has earned a Master of Arts from the University of New Mexico. She is a proud mom and loves her new life in the Pacific Northwest, where she lives with her husband, Edward. So, let's jump to this interview with Kathleen Ash Milby. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. It's really great to have you here. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Would you be able to introduce yourself, uh, talk a little bit about your background, where you're from? Sure. My name is Kathleen Ash Milby. I am the curator of Native American art at the Portland Art Museum in Portland, Oregon. I'm also a member of the Navajo Nation and a former employee of the National Museum of the American Indian in New York, where I spent about 19 years of my career. 19 years there. So um Can you talk a little bit about that experience, uh, especially going from, uh, I guess, the Southwest where you were born and raised, I assume, and uh, how you how you're able to get to that place? So I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I didn't actually grow up in the Southwest. My uh, father was a, a college professor, so we spent most of my childhood living in northern Utah in Ogden, Utah. So that's kind of a fun fact about me. Uh, We traveled frequently to visit family in the Southwest, uh, especially in the summers, and uh, went to college, uh, actually the University of Washington in Seattle for my undergraduate degree. And then I returned to Albuquerque where I went to the University of New Mexico and received a master's degree in Native American art history. So then Um, My first real job was actually with the National Museum of the American Indian, starting way back in the oldie times in 1993. And uh, that was like a really interesting time at the museum because they had only recently become um, the National Museum of the American Indian. The museum had formerly been the uh, High Foundation Museum of the American Indian. Um, So we had a lot of staff who were from the old museum and uh, the collections were all from the old old museum at that time. So it was a transitional time into the federal system for the museum. So I worked for NMAI uh, for six years. At that time, the collection was still in the Bronx in a collections facility that was built in the 1920s and uh, eventually moved to Washington to uh, DC actually just outside of DC to a storage and collections and research facility known as the uh, Cultural Resources Center in Suitland, Maryland. So I worked for NMAI until 1999. 
And then I was on a bit of a hiatus. I was uh, having my, my two kids and also working as a freelance curator. And I also worked as a curator at the American Indian Community House Gallery during that um, interlude. And then I went back to work for NMAI again in 2005. And I worked there for, oh my gosh, 13 more years. And I ended my, my federal service in 2019 and moved to the Pacific Northwest to take this wonderful job at the Portland Art Museum. So I've mm -hmm. been here now about three years. Wow. And uh, we can talk more about this uh, a little farther down the interview, um, but you've currently curated um, an exhibition on Oscar Howe. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Well, I've been working on this exhibition in one capacity or another for about six years. It actually started out uh, as an idea six years ago when I was still an employee at the Smithsonian. And, uh, you know, started out slow, the way a lot of projects do, where you're just kind of exploring the potential for your project, and then it gets ahead of steam, and it's like your every waking moment at times, it seems like. Um, so uh, I had a wonderful time working on the project. I worked, uh, was able to work very closely with several colleagues of mine in the field, and it was wonderful to kind of like pool our, our expertise and our energy on different parts of the project. Um, we all spent a lot of time in South Dakota at the University of South Dakota, uh, because uh, not only was that the place that Oscar Howe formerly taught, but they hold an extensive archive of his papers, his family's papers, uh, the papers of John Day, who was um, a person who he knew at the, at the university in the art department, who was really... Um, protecting his legacy until he retired and, and John Day's papers are there. So all of his research and they also have a really large collection of his paintings, both the paintings that belong to the university and paintings that still belong to the family. So, so for me, I really had very limited experience in the Midwest I mean, I've spent very, very little time. So now I've, I've spent several, uh, several summers going back and forth and I've learned what to order on the menu and what not to order. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, that's funny. met a lot of really interesting people and saw tons of paintings and visited lots of small um, museums and private collections and kind of tootled around the state in our rental car, um, having a little Oscar, uh, Oscar Howe uh, adventure road trip. That sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. So uh, can you talk about uh, your influences along the way, um, maybe early on in academics and uh, your influences today? Well, I have to say that my biggest personal influence, um, a person who really shaped me, is my grandmother. Um, her name was Catherine Peshlakai Arviso, and she was herself uh, an artist. She was uh, someone who was really interested in textiles, and she also became an art teacher. And she started out actually uh, teaching at a couple of the Indian boarding schools. Um, and of course, she herself was a product of, of um, 
uh, an Indian boarding, boarding school. She taught at Fort Wingate. And then she, uh, the last boarding school she taught at was the Albuquerque Indian School. And then she became a university professor. And so I think that, you know, she was both my cultural touchstone and um, also someone who really uh, had art in her life and, and really gave me an appreciation for Native art. Uh, I didn't actually realize until after she passed away when I was going through some of her papers that she actually basically was teaching Native American art history. And um, at the time I was going through these papers, I was in graduate school and I was like, oh my gosh, these are like notes for my own classes that I'm taking now. So that was really, um, that was really kind of fascinating. And, and I, I really feel grateful to have had her in my life. I still think about her every day, even though she's been gone for over 20 years. Um, and then um, I have to say that the artists I work with are an incredible inspiration to me. I've worked with some really fantastic artists over the course of my career, and um, I'm just so inspired by what they do. I love to spend time with artists, especially uh, in the studio. I love doing studio visits, and they really uh, have shaped what I do, obviously. But you know, some of the artists in our field, like Oscar Howe, and of course, I didn't ever meet Oscar Howe. He passed away in, in um, 1983, but there have been so many artists who have been mentors to me in the course of my career who've really encouraged me to do my work and to support um, my work as a curator, but they've also been real strong advocates for other artists, artists that were up and coming. And, you know, I'll mention specifically Jean Quictissy Smith, who I met when I was in graduate school. She was so supportive of, of me and what I was doing and, and has been over the years. And Kay Walking Stick, you know, another person that I was really delighted to be able to um, work on and uh, do a retrospective of her work at the National Museum of the American Indian. And I guess um, James Luna was another person I met in graduate school um, who was a really such an interesting guy in so many ways, but also um, a real supporter of what I was doing in a different in a different way. But um, yeah, yeah. And then Jeffrey Gibson, you know, he's someone I'm working with right now. We're having um, installation of his work, a site a specific installation of his work opening this fall. Uh, and I've known him for over 20 years, and he's been a great friend. And in in the um, in the pattern of, of these artists I've mentioned already, he is also a great supporter of other artists and people coming up um, in the field. In, um, in your career, uh, well, what, what led you to um, being a curator? Uh, what, what was sort of, um, I guess, what, what led you along the way to, to come to this point? Yeah, it wasn't a straight path. Um, I started out as an undergrad in a studio arts program, right? I wanted to be an artist and, you know, I had all these uh, ideas about the arts and I was really excited to just like get my hands in there. And um, But after a couple of years, first of all, I couldn't like settle on any one thing. Like, are you doing sculpture? Are you doing 2D? You know, and I was like, well, I... 
I want to try all these different things. There's so many things to try. I did ceramics. I did um, a drawing class. I did a class in photography. I really enjoyed being able to try all the different media um, types. And I wish I, my one regret is that I never got to take printmaking. Um, but I found that when I learned, I started learning about art history and didn't actually even realize when I started school that you could major in art history. So when I found out that, I was just like, whoa, that's what I'm going to do. I went, I went to the other side um, and then just had a minor in studio art. But I found that my experience in those studio classes really informed my work as a curator. It really was a window into the process of working in a studio and handling the materials and understanding technically what artists were doing. And that's one of the reasons that I regret that I never took printmaking because print, there's so many different techniques and um, in printmaking that I feel like whenever I'm working with printmaking printmakers, I have to kind of like think for a minute when they mention the process and, you know, maybe mm -hmm. do a, a quick Google search. And it's not like really um, the information about understanding that process is, isn't just right there in my brain the way it is with something like photography or ceramics or, you know, 2D media. So, so anyway, I went into art history. I went to graduate school at the University of New Mexico and um, went into native art. And a lot of people, when they found out that I was going into grad school for art history, they said, oh, do you want to teach? And I thought, no, is that my only option? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I had always been a museum goer throughout my life. And, and that's something that, you know, my parents gave me lots of opportunities and our travels to visit museums. And um, I did an internship as an undergraduate in the um, Metropolitan Museum in New York. And I just thought, yeah, I want to work in a museum. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, one thing led to another and ended up a curator. Hmm. I think that's a that's a really good point about uh, the question of uh, about you going into education because I feel like in the college system they produce a lot of educators that come out of there, and that was one of my catching points going through school too. Was if you don't become a studio artist, then you become a teacher, and it, that seems to be a, uh, something they really promote. Um, it's sort of either or, and to step outside of those lanes, you have to really explore that yourself. Yeah, I think academia really is self-perpetuating, and that's what they value when you're in the system. Um, when I was looking at graduate schools, there was one grad program I looked at. Um, I won't say the program, but the the advisor for the program, the person who was the, the one with the expertise in Native art, when she asked me what I wanted to do and I, I told her about my aspirations to work in a museum, she said... Well, just make sure you don't uh, mention that in your application. Because basically, if you mention it in your application, they're not going to accept you to the program because they are looking, they value people going further into academia and teaching as you know, what's more important. Mm -hmm. So I did not apply to that program because I didn't want to be in a program that wasn't fully supporting what I wanted to do. That's a great point. I think that's that's really important for young listeners to think about uh, in those programs is, um, yeah, not just what you can get out of it, but sort of the influences that are there. 
Um, so I often ask our guests about opportunities, how opportunities come up uh, for them uh, through their careers. Um, for a curator, um, how can you talk a little bit about the process and how maybe you choose artists or um, exhibitions that you want to sort of go with? I don't know quite how to ask that question. Um, yeah. Like, well, people do ask me, where do you get your ideas for your exhibitions? And you know, how, do, how does that, how does that work? You know, especially uh, young artists also sometimes want to know how that, how do I get a museum show? Um, my inspiration comes from a lot of different places. I'm always looking to meet new artists who I don't know. Uh, the field is is quite diverse, and even though it's a very specialized field, there's there's no curator who knows about all the artists that are doing the work out there. So I'm always like keeping my eyes open um, for new artists that I might want to work with. Um, in this case, I work in a museum with a with a nice collection of Native American art. So the you know what's available in the collection is also an inspiration. And, and there are also things that, that serve the museum um, in terms of organizing exhibitions that, that draw from our own collections. As far as contemporary art, you know, really it's, it's just being out there and seeing what um, artists are doing today. I go to a lot of events. I, you know, I go to Indian market in Santa Fe uh, at least every other year. And I don't really go there as much for the artists who are participating in the market as I do for the gallery exhibitions and the museum shows that happen in the week before market starts. So I always have a chance to see what's going on at um, the Museum of Contemporary Native American Art at the Institute of American Indian Arts. And they have a lot of younger artists and you know, people who are students and graduating, but also um, artists at other points in their career that they're featuring. Um, I talk to a lot of people who are in the field and introduce me to artists that I might not have known about. Um, it's interesting because uh, Jean Quick to see Smith, I remember it was quite a while ago because my kids were little and I was visiting my parents in Albuquerque and Jean Quick to see Smith had told me I want you to meet this this young artist. I'm really excited about his work. His name is Will Wilson, and he's a Navajo photographer, and he was just finishing his MFA program at UNM. So I was able to park the kiddo with my parents and do a quick studio visit while I was there. Um, and, you know, he's Will Wilson. I mean, a, a lot of people know his work. I'm sure you know his work too, Joe. Um but yeah, I was introduced to his work by Jean Quick to see Smith. So, um, and then some artists will send me their uh, images. Like now it's an email introduction, usually with a link to a website or something like that. Um, in, the, in the olden days, people used to sometimes send me a package with slides of their work. And, you know, that's, that's another way is like introducing yourself to um, curators. And, but I would say that my advice for artists in terms of uh, getting noticed and getting an exhibition is to participate in as many shows as they can, you know, just get their work out there. There are a lot of group exhibitions that happen every year that have open calls. Uh, it's a lot of work, but this is how you get exposure. What advice would you give to the 18 to 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? 
My advice to young people, regardless of whether you're interested in the arts or not, is that you should be thinking about what you're passionate about when you're thinking about what you want to do with the rest of your life. And is there a way that that passion that you have can overlap with a way to make money? I was always passionate about art from the time that I was very young. And even though I didn't end up as a practicing artist, I stayed within the universe of the arts and found a way to um, have art be part of, of my my life and my career. It's my job. It's my job to think about art and look at art. And that's amazing. And I love working with artists and I, I feel incredibly lucky and grateful to have gotten to where I am in my career. And, you know, my career and what I do is not a job. It's not work. I get tired and I get stressed out. And yeah, there's a lot of, um, how can I put it? There's a lot of grunt work in what I do. There's a lot of fussing with a lot of details and um, thinking about a lot of different people who are involved in any project that I do, a lot of negotiating and relationship building. But I feel so strongly about what I do and I, I feel so good when I'm able to do something good for an artist and uh, for a community, a native community, that it it just gives me so much energy and, and so much inspiration that, you know, I want to do it as long as I can. Hmm. Do you do you have any advice about um, deadlines for artists? Make sure as you make your deadlines. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> deadlines are important. <laughs> yes, because everything is tied to deadlines and, you know, in, in an exhibition, when you're working on an exhibition, there are so many different parts to an exhibition. You've got people who are working on publicity. You've got people who are building the um, platforms and hanging the work. And you've got people who are working on loan agreements and insurance. And, um, you know, the curator is just one part of it. And so much is hinging on information they get from the artist. So when that deadline is missed, it's like a domino effect on all the other things that become behind schedule. So I would say to people out there who are working on their profession as artists is that it is a profession, you know, and you need to, t to take it seriously. And um, especially for people in the field to take you seriously and being reliable and meeting de deadlines goes a long way. I, I see that reflected also in, um, say this, this podcast series, um, the, the more established, um, I don't want to say it's successful because success, success is measured in different ways. Um, but a lot of the established artists are on it when it comes to, um, getting things needed for the podcast or being available, um, and chasing, uh, sometimes I, I, I do chase some interviews, uh, but a lot of the younger artists sometimes don't show up for the interviews, um, or, uh, you know, it's, it's just different things and I'm a little forgiving, you know, but, um, again, uh, if I have a deadline for, for an episode to go up, um, 
and they don't show up, it really puts me into a situation where I have to figure out how to make the next week work. Usually I'm a couple months out now, but um, that really resonates what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, important to uh, take other professionals worries and concerns and, and responsibilities into consideration. Absolutely. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something more than that. I just lost my train of thought too. Um, I think it's important for artists to have some hustle in what they do. I think that there are some artists who maybe in the same way that, that people who want to be actors might think that, success is more like a Cinderella story than someone who goes and just works really hard every day to build that career. And, you know, that means photographing your work, right? Getting good photographs of your work, keeping track of your work, keeping track of who you're selling to, making sure that your own personal records are in order. Um, but it's, it's also like, finding those opportunities. You have to have some hustle. It'd be wonderful if you could just be discovered and then have a show that like launches your career, but that's really not how it happens. And even when you have a great opportunity, it doesn't necessarily launch your career if you don't have all that, you know, best practices and work ethic behind it in order to take advantage of that moment. Because I have seen that moment come for some artists who, who may have been waiting for that like one opportunity and then things fizzled because they didn't answer their emails quickly. You know, they didn't have information available. They didn't like hustle to make it work. And, you know, if you want to be an artist but not have that be your career, that's fine. There's a lot of people who are very creative and do things on the side for their own um, satisfaction. And not everyone has to have like a big career in it. But if that's what you want, you're going to have to put the work in in order to get that, in order to get there, no matter how talented you are. It's not just about being talented. Oh, that's great. Yes. Um you know, coming up, especially in, in art school, um, I found that the ones who were the most talented, you know, at 19, 20, 21, um, who were very satisfied with what they were doing, weren't around doing the work in their late 20s, 30s, you know, um, they they didn't have that hustle or that drive to keep going. And, you know, we, we do um, some institutes, um, or I do like the, the Oscar House of Art Institute, and we do another one too, where we, we bring youth in. And, you know, there are some really talented young people doing the work, but the ones that we pay attention to are the ones that show up early and are the last ones out of the studio who are just there to learn and to soak up everything. And it's kind of been proven um, from our experience that those ones we see down the road, you know, because, you know, when they're, when they're, they're in the program, they're still in high school, but, you know, um, we touch base years later. And they're, they're showing in different places nationally, regionally. And so, yeah. 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 Success comes with hard work. You can have talent or you can be a hard worker or you can be both. But if you're going to succeed, you, you have to be both. 
you can't just be talented. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to, to go back real quick before we go, um, to talk a little bit about, um, some of the, the exhibitions that you have, uh, that you've had. Are there any that, that have stood out that, um, maybe are a little different than the other ones? It's hard to like really quantify what I've done that way. I've been working more recently on these retrospectives of artists who have not gotten the critical attention that they that they should have. Um, in Oscar Howe's case, he certainly didn't get the critical critical attention in his lifetime, and I would say he he hasn't gotten it at all, even posthumously, until recently with the uh, reviews and reception of this exhibition. Um, Kay Walking Stick, another really great retrospective that I worked on. She had some recognition in her career, but I think it really, and, and she was a hard worker for sure, but she really, um, things have really taken off for her since the retrospective and she's in her eighties, you know, but I'm really glad that it, it, it happened in her lifetime. Um, but the other exhibitions that I've worked on have tended to be smaller. They've tended to be thematic exhibitions. The first one I did um, that was really exciting to me for many, many reasons was an exhibition at the National Museum of the American Indian titled Off the Map, which was an exhibition about landscape in uh, Native art. And, uh, you know, there was something just real special about that exhibition. It was It was the relationship I had with the artists who were in it. It was also my first um, curated exhibition at NMAI. So it was, and it had a, a nice little catalog that went with it. Um, so it's kind of hard for me to like pull out like one that's like very different because it's sort of like they, they're in these two categories of like the smaller, uh, more thematic exhibitions. And, um, and then these retrospectives, these one-person shows for these artists that really should be or should have been part of the canon of art history in the United States and have been left out. And so I have that drive to kind of correct some of that by hmm. by doing these projects. Oh, that's, that's great. And, you know, um, the work you're doing for Oscar Howe uh, personally is, is so appreciated. Um, you know, I came to USD when I was 14 uh, for Summer Institute and uh, really learned about it under John Day. And uh, doc we called him Dr. Day. He actually didn't have his PhD, but for whatever reason, he had the title <laughs> that, that all of his students gave him. So, uh, but John Day, um, he he always made sure that uh, Oscar Howe was a part of the conversation. And so for a lot of us, um, yeah, Oscar Howe is, is uh, something uh, very, someone very, very special, you know. And when John Day passed, we were really concerned um, that maybe this was going to be the end of the Oscar Howe legacy. We weren't sure where this was going to go. And to the credit of USD, they've sort of maintained the Summer Art Institute and maintained the gallery. Um, finally to see um, an exhibition come from from where it's come from uh, I, I don't think there's enough gratitude that I have for you and, and the group to have done what you've all done yeah well I think credit also needs to be given to his daughter mm. Inga 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like a dog with a bone in terms of getting this exhibition done. You know, after um, John Day passed away, she really was insistent that a major exhibition happen of her father's work. And it didn't happen right away. The university tried to launch something that didn't really get legs. And um, she brought it to us as an idea when I was still working on the K Walking Stick exhibition and didn't have the bandwidth to take on a whole new um, project. But I think that at the National Museum of the American Indian, we definitely felt like, yeah, this is an artist who we should be doing something like this with. It just was bad timing. Um, so I'm very grateful that it's worked out, that, you know, that the fact that I left NMAI before this project was complete did not um, signal the end of the exhibition. It was really important to me that the Portland Art Museum want this show as, and want me to continue to work on this show as much as I did and that the two um, organizations could come to an agreement. So it ended up being a joint project between Portland and the National Museum of the American Indian. And and I think the publication has uh, been really, really well received. We're going to be doing a symposium this spring, uh, spring of 2023, actually in April, uh, on Oscar Howe. And it's just going to be showing how much work there is to still be done on his work. I think after working on this project for so many years, you know, what ended up happening, and especially it felt like as we were trying to complete the book, as I was learning more and more new information and trying to figure out how to like fit that into what we already had going. And uh, I had to stop myself from feeling bad about that and remind myself that one of the, one of our goals with this project was to launch additional research and scholarship and to really show how much more there was that we could learn from this amazing artist. Well, I, I would love to know more about that uh, when it comes around. So I'll be paying attention and uh, please, uh, yeah, please make that information available. I'd like to be able to, to hear about that then. So, um, so what's um, f- for yourself, what's, what's coming up? What's, what's on the horizon? Well, Oscar Howe is going to be opening here in Portland on October 29th. We also have a site-specific installation titled They Come From Fire by Jeffrey Gibson, which will be in dialogue with the Oscar Howe exhibition. It was really um, my idea to bring in a contemporary artist that could respond to his, his art and his legacy and have that kind of be a a touchstone for visitors so that they really understood that what Oscar Howe did in the 50s and 60s and early 70s still had an impact, you know, still has an impact on contemporary Native American artists today. So that is like where my brain is right now. I am all over trying to get those exhibitions done and things launched. Um, But in terms of what's going to happen beyond that, we're going to be doing a major reinstallation of our permanent collections galleries here in Portland after we complete a major capital project. It's going to expand the building and um, really draw even more visitors and attention to Portland. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me. Um, this was this was a really great conversation. Thanks for having me. 
And that does it for this episode of Five Plain Questions. I want to thank Kathleen again for her time and sharing her story with us. If you've been a longtime listener to the show, you've no doubt have heard Oscar Howe's name time and again as an inspiration to so many artists with the Summer Institutes that I've been a part of and a lot of the topics that have come up over the years. So this episode is really special to me uh, to be able to speak with the curator of the retrospective of Oscar Howe. Uh, you know, it's been a generation since there's been one, and for it to be done in such a tasteful and well-done manner is very inspirational and very exciting. So please check the show notes. There's a link to the book to this exhibition. It's with the Smithsonian website. Uh, check it out. Of course, if you're in Portland, you have to check out the Art Museum uh, where Kathleen is at, and absolutely the exhibition that opens uh, in late October. So, and there's information in the show notes on that as well. So, Kathleen. Thank you for this. Thank you for your work. I uh, just so appreciative of the work that you've done. I also want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A Creativity, among Native American artists on Facebook, our Five Plain Questions page on Instagram and Twitter, and at the plainsart.org website. There you can see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look me up on, on social media and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. Well, that's it. You take care, and we will see you next time. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production. <laughs>